Hey everybody and welcome back to the Real Slate Podcast. I'm Tanner. And I'm Zach. We're back yet again with another commentary track. We had to uh, skip last week as we promised. Um, We were feeling a little bit under the weather, so... Uh, we are back and better than ever this well, week. We're back. I don't, don't don't sell us on the better than ever. Then we'll know. always we'll always be better than ever. Every yeah. single week, just nothing we nothing but improvements. We keep getting better. We are. We're like a fine wine. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so today we are doing another special commentary track. Uh, last time we did uh, Halloween uh, 1978. Is that right? And then today we are doing Halloween 2018. Woo. Yes. So yeah, technically Halloween 2, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you know, what, just, whatever you want to call it. Halloween and Halloween. Yeah, it's, it's such a weird thing. Universal's like that. they like the thing, the thing. They're like, we don't give a shit. Just call yeah. it the same thing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, but no then but then the next two sequels of it have their own little tagline after. Which but. is smart because they don't want to be like, it's Halloween 3 or it's Halloween <laughs> right. this. It's just, uh, uh, just whatever. I think it'd be funny to just call them all Halloween. Yeah, just Halloween, 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 Halloween. Oh, which Halloween do you want to watch? Uh, I like Halloween. Yeah, let's do Halloween. Let's, Halloween sounds good. Um, well, already that's three options, and if you add two more, that's fucking five. That's right. way too many. Um, so, uh, so before we jump in here, Zach, um, you and I saw Halloween 2018 in theaters. We did. And if I do recall, you were you were quite a fan of it. I am a fan of this film. This film is it is a true sequel it is smart it takes everything it needs to from the first one there are certain things that don't work for me but that's there's no movie that i really ever seen in my whole entire life like everything is beautiful this is the best thing in the world but so there are some things i'm like that's a little chunky like that's a little you know clunky i wouldn't have added that but i really like this movie as far as sequel kind of updates go i think this one really is right on the money yeah, I agree. Um, as we'll kind of talk about as we get into uh, watching the movie together, um, I think where this movie really excels in being a true sequel is that it it gives nods to what came before it. And it I think if you're going to do a sequel, especially for something like Halloween, um, you have to do you have to do those nods to respect it. Now, mm-hmm. Rob Zombie chose to do some pretty weird ones in terms of you know he made the little matchbook, the name on the matchbook that um yeah, Dr. Lewis finds. Yeah, he turned that into an entire scene in a strip club. But <laughs> um it, it doesn't go quite as weird in, in Halloween twenty eighteen. But yeah. um more competent filmmaker made it in my opinion. But, you know, that's, <laughs> I, I could go on agree. for I'd hours agree. about how I don't like the Rob Zombie movies, but I won't bore anybody with that. Yeah, you can you can listen to some of our other podcasts where uh, Zach and I argue about the Rob Zombie ones. But, I'll never uh, forgive him. Hey, it's all right. It's all right. Um, he doesn't need my permission to do anything. <laughs> it's not like you staying awake at night like, oh, that Zach guy doesn't like me. You know, he might. For all, for I all we know. Does. I really hope he does. Yeah. Make my life feel better. So uh, we are going to dive into uh, Halloween 2018 the same way that we did last time. If you listen to our commentary track, um, so I will I will cue us up, and when we start, and then uh, Zach will have you read off the first couple things that appear on the screen, just everybody synced up, and then we uh, will be off and running from there. Sound yeah. good? Sounds good to me. And just for anyone who cares, there's no real different versions of Halloween. It's only been released once so far, so. Right, same transfer, same everything. So no one should really be concerned what version they have. Yeah, um, we are watching the 4K version just to rub that in. But other yeah. than that, nothing 4K, real different. Ultra HD. <laughs> All right, 
Here we go. I am clicking play in three, two, one. And we're off. FBI. Homeland Security. Did you ever know anybody that got uh, email or something from the FBI or MPAA? No, well, no. I know people who got cease and desist from Disney. I got one from Cox where they were like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit, no, because I was all for piracy and everything like that. I haven't been for over about a decade at this point. But gotcha. So the universal logo is popping up just to tell you folks. But yeah, uh, Cox sent me an email. They're like, hey, don't do that. And they have like, I think they have a three-strike policy. And I was like, I ain't getting a three. Fuck this shit. Yeah. You're like, one's good enough for me. I, was gonna say, I don't need to watch Family Tree that much. Sorry, Christopher Guest. but you know. <laughs> like, That'd be a weird thing to get caught on yeah. piracy for. I'm sure Christopher Guest would come to my aid. <laughs> be like, I love you and your wife, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. So it all works out. Miramax. The, the good the good new Miramax. Yeah. The, the fine one. Well, I don't know how fine it is. They don't really do much. <laughs> Blumhouse. I always loved Blumhouse's opener. It's it, so weird, but it's, I love it. It's weird, and it's untraditional, and it just... I don't know. I think it really captures what they're about. I do, too. I like it. Universal Pictures, Miramax, and Blumhouse present... America K production. I love how they stuck with the original font and coloring. Like, oh. that's one of my favorite things about this is they just, they kept true. You have to. It's just beautiful. And here we are. Oh, puppy growls in the background. Wooshan buzzing and whooshing. Here we go. Smith's Grove. Where it all began. We've seen a lot of different iterations of of this hospital throughout the franchise. Um, I think this is one of the more interesting ones. I feel like other versions that we've seen, they make it so dark Mm -hmm. and like depressing and seem like the staff is like really lackadaisical about their job, don't really care so much and treat their patients really horribly. But this Mm -hmm. actually, I liked what they did here because it seems like a real facility. Like Absolutely. it's it's maintained well. The staff seems you know on point and stuff. And that's um if I can I'm on it. That's another reason yeah. I really liked the extended edition of the first Halloween because they included additional scenes at Smith's Grove and it had that same kind of lighting to it. Like there's a scene where Loomis walks in and Michael. I, I want to say he's a little bit older than he is uh, when he first kills and he's like, you know, you fooled them all, haven't you, Michael? And it's really well lit, just right. like this. Okay. So I think that that's really kind of. They took the cues from that because it's supposed to feel sanitized and clean, but when it's dark, it feels gritty and gross, but it's supposed sure. to be a hospital, a mental health hospital. So, you know, it's a big thing. And I, I absolutely loved this take oh, on God. on this movie, opening it up with, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, they're obviously imitating serial podcast. Well, like it's, it's very similar to the style of how they do their podcast. Um, I just thought it was a really cool way to add this true crime introduction and make it more modern, make it more interesting. And I think they really did a good job. What bothers me is that the guy that they cast looks a lot like Ewan McGregor, and I, I can that. never, I can never shake that from my brain. Yeah, he's kind of that weird, like off-brand Ewan McGregor. 
Exactly. The poor man's Ewan McGregor. Yeah, I feel that. Well, you're exactly right. It's just such a way to take it into the new like timeline 40 years later, but it's so realistic, too. Oh, yeah. Because like, this is where our society is at. We are fascinated by serial killers. Like, It is one of our biggest passions. I mean, hell, Ted Bundy's like a sex icon now. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately. You know, I was going to say, he always kind of, people liked him, but now he's like the biggest thing. Thanks, Zac Efron. <laughs> and there he is. Oh, God, this scene. This scene was crazy. It's just, we have, we're going to let them roam, and we're going to let them have, you know, some fresh air just and be out. square. But you get to be in a square, and we're going to chain you to a big fucking brick. Oh, or weight. Well, I guess, I don't even know what it would be made out of. It could be like an iron weight, I guess, but... Um, it's very interesting. As far as I know, this is actually a high school. <laughs> oh, kind of really? They're filming this, yeah. That'd be sweet if you went to that high school. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm just going to stand in the square and kind of hobble. But I love the thing with Dr. Sartain where he's... He is the Loomis character of this movie, obviously. I mean, there's sure. multiple nods to that. But Loomis was more afraid of Michael, whereas Sartain is, like, fascinated by Michael. Correct. And yeah. I'm... Can we do spoilers? I mean, fuck it. Like, people, I don't I hope this is the first time you're watching this with our commentary. Yeah, right? I wouldn't think so. We but, can do some spoilers. Yeah, you know, it's just like he obviously goes in the complete opposite direction of Loomis, but, you know, it just, it's so fascinating, kind of the, that duality that they introduce with him. Yeah. And he's actually my biggest flaw with this movie, so it's one thing for me to kind of compliment that sure. character. Yeah, I um. I thought his character was really interesting in this movie. Um, I, I have to say I didn't see the plot twist coming that we'll talk about later on as we're watching. I did. Um, you, definitely, you definitely saw it coming. Yeah. I saw little hints of it, and I think I just chose to ignore it because I wanted to enjoy the movie for what it was. Uh, but I kind try. of try. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I do it on purpose. <laughs> um, but I think it, kind of going off of what you said, I think the real difference between Sartain and Loomis is that Loomis had a very deep understanding of who Michael was and he saw him for who he was and how Mm -hmm. deeply disturbed and evil he was. And then, um, and then here's the mask. And just to say how that mask is so much better than anything. Like I will give credit to Rob Zombie, the mask he uses in his movies and the first and and then the deteriorated one, the second one looks fantastic. H2O Resurrection for five and They six. struggled for a while. Terrible. Like, even two is not the same mask as it was in one. No. So, you know, it's just, it's good to get back to this. Mm-hmm. And I do love that just, like, him pulling out that mask is the first kind of, like, twinge yeah. you see of anything. And it's just, like, it, it's almost, it's almost supernatural, honestly. Yeah. And I just, I love that. Yeah. Um. So going back to to what I was saying here, um, Loomis had that deep understanding of Michael where Sartain, I think he seeks to understand more Mm -hmm. about him, but he doesn't really have that insight. He doesn't really know, and it becomes a very unhealthy obsession. Definitely. And he becomes attached and fascinated by him because he lacks that understanding where Loomis had that in-depth understanding and boom, title card. I loved that just like beat drop and just hammers in with the with the score. Um, one thing that bothered me about that scene when we saw it was in the trailer they had this awesome moment where Michael moves and drags the entire weight with him. 
I don't remember that. Yeah, and it doesn't happen in the movie, but it definitely happens in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God damn, I wanted to see him drag that big, heavy-ass thing. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of... I like the notion that it takes kind of until he breaks out, quote-unquote, yeah. for him to kind of, you know, come into his own. But, yeah, no, just to see Michael Myers. And honestly, seeing Michael Myers, not just seeing the shape like we yeah. see in every other thing like it's nice to see him as him mm-hmm. and I agree. just kind of that mirroring intro to the first one where that's how we see him first instead of as the shape is just fantastic but this was so smart to do the pumpkin like rotted and then brought mm-hmm. back to life because that is that's such a good analogy for this franchise yep <laughs> rotted right back to life what are your thoughts on the cgi route for the pumpkin is it CGI? I thought they... Uh, it looked pretty CGI just now. I thought they filmed it. I can't confirm that, nor... But yeah, mm. no, it, it doesn't bother me. If right, it's CGI. let us know. Yeah, tell us. Malika Cod. But it wouldn't bother me. Like, it's just... If that's the route they needed to go, that's the route they needed mm-hmm. to go. I love that the Akkad family has always been just engrossed in Halloween. Mm-hmm. You know, Shepherds. from from I forget the original father's name, but um, Mustafa. Mustafa Akkad. It's gone from, you know, him to his son. And rest and in then, peace. Yeah. Mustafa. Rest in peace. It's just it's it's obviously a very passionate family and they always do whatever they can to make these movies successful and uh, we appreciate it yeah. as fans. Another reason that Halloween four happened because they were like, God, three just did not work. I love three. I will love three forever. But, like, didn't have Michael Myers, so people didn't show up for it. The one thing I will say from a podcasting standpoint is, not to be nitpicky, but, you know, I've used the recorder that they're using. They don't have any kind of dead cat on the top, which is, like, a fuzzy thing to block out wind noise. And they're driving in a car. That audio is going to be utterly unusable. It just, like, it looks so funky, too. Like, Like, I was just looking at it, and I was like, it looks like, like almost like a taser mm-hmm. like a weird kind of yeah i have one that i use at work i actually run the same microphone setup that we use here i used to create e-learning courses for work and i run it straight into a recorder like that i loved this i did too what they what they did with Lori's character in this movie is just so incredible i think they really honed in on the reality of who she would have become um and this whole like fortress that she's built for herself out in the woods is just, it's great. I love it. It really makes you kind of obviously think about it because in H2O, she's just kind of essentially gone herself into witness protection. She changed sure. her name. She's moved very far away, all this. So it's so different to kind of see her more go the Sydney Prescott route in um, Scream 3 where right. she's isolated. She's completely backed away from anybody but to like if you fused Scream 3 uh, Sydney Prescott with freaking Sarah Connor from Terminator 2 that is Laurie Strode in this film yep I would agree with that and that's just it's such a powerful change and I think that that's another reason that Jamie Lee Curtis wanted to come back because she was like I've played it this way and if they were like oh well you know we're just gonna have you still be you know Laurie Strode but you're gonna be just really normal she'd be like well I'm not coming back for that that's Not interested. No, you have to do something to get me back. And I think this was the smartest route to go. I love that he kept um, her hair. Yeah. Like the same too. Like 
Because with the other Halloween movies where we see Lori, like, she doesn't look like Lori. She looks like Jamie Lee Curtis at the height of her career. Yeah, when she's Carrie Tate. Yeah, <laughs> this, like... this, like, legit, it's like, oh, this is actually Lori Strode has now turned into a an older woman at this point. That's a fair point. I mean, I, I obviously noticed it, but I never really thought about it. Yeah, because that's yeah. exactly correct, because she had that same kind of red hair, you know, mm-hmm. that she, same the pixie Friday kind of, yeah. What I love about these two podcast host characters too, um, Dana and, and <laughs> well that, and then um, I mean it definitely helps with her. Yeah, but she's uh, British. Yeah, what I find interesting is the difference in their personalities and the difference in their approach towards getting the story out of Lori. Like he's very much focused on the experience and the people who are impacted and mm-hmm. her personal attachment versus. Um, Dana, she's she's very much business about it. Yeah. Like we saw that at the gate, like he was trying to appeal to her humanity and um, get her to share her opinions and stuff. And Dana's just like, "How does three thousand dollars sound?" Mm-hmm. And then the gate opens. Like it's a it's an interesting um, difference in their personalities, and I think it plays really well talking to Lori. I think so too because it's just they, even though these characters obviously you know they're not long for this world, they're very fleshed out. I feel. Like sure. they, obviously we don't know their backstory past their podcast hosts for, and they're, you know, they're, they're very accomplished, but still it's just to introduce them into a scenario really, it makes, it makes no one feel safe because these are people, you know, they're not in the thick of it. They're just, you know, relaying stories and everything like that. And then they go and then they're in it. Sure. Like, like Aaron Mankey from lore, like, you know, relay, he relays his stories and everything like that if he were to suddenly be in a supernatural event, it'd be like, holy fucking shit. So I just, I find it so fascinating that you insert that because I don't even think I've seen that in anything else where like podcast hosts are, are about serial killers become the victim. At least not Tusk. yet. Well, I guess Tusk is a little different because I just don't like Tusk. I don't yeah, want to talk yeah, about yeah. it. If you listen to us, you know I don't want to talk about yeah. Tusk. Um, but no, I think that's a good point in kind of like what you said when these two inevitably meet their fate you know i i did feel that attachment to them as characters like i wanted to see more the first time yeah. i saw this i was like okay they're introducing these podcast hosts like mm-hmm. how is this tying in are we gonna see um you know a kind of route where we saw in god what was it was it it was one of the later ones it was either like h2o or resurrection or something like that but you had the radio show host who was like the celebrity that came to Haddonfield and hosted the Halloween party and then he ended up dead in the tree or whatever. Wasn't that five? It might have been. I don't even know. Uh, I, I get them so mixed up once we get into the later ones. I, I want to say it was the one with Busta Rhymes. Oh, that would have been Resurrection. Resurrection then, yeah. So um, I thought they were maybe going to go with that route where they played more substantial characters, but they, they just really don't. But yeah. I still have that attachment to them to where when they, when they do you know get killed that I just... I wanted more, and I actually felt their loss. I love the parent relationship oh, in this too. movie. Like, he's just great. Well, that's one of the greatest actors of our time. Oh, yeah. Con Super Newsome film. It's cr- like you said, I've seen all the Halloween movies so many times, but four, five, six, and Resurrection, I just can't remember the details of those films. 
because I really don't like them very much. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen them at least five, six times a piece, but I just don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes me sad. So we just got the peanut butter on my penis line. I don't mind I, that we skipped that. I think it's hilarious. I love it. Just it doesn't. I think it speaks to how, like, the goofy innocence of Mm. his character, which I think is important to establish early in this movie with him, um, because he doesn't really do a whole lot with confrontation later down the road in the movie. And without these, like, silly, innocent moments in this opening scene with him, I think it would be a lot harder to accept the fact that he doesn't do anything, really, Mm -hmm. to protect his family. He kind of just, he's just kind of a quick knockoff. He does what he can, but you know, it's just, and I think the thing about this movie that I really like and the kind of realism is two people in this movie are prepared for this. Yeah. Two. And when you kind of see everybody else and in their interactions with things, they don't know what the hell to do. It's been 40 years since Michael Myers came around and killed people. Everybody's just kind of lulled into this, you know, like everything's fine. Every, the world is good. Everything is safe. And then shit hits the fan and it's like, Fuck that. Right. So, I mean, I think... I think almost every character in this is pretty much just like a, an easy kill if it's just... It's to, if they survive, it's different. Because in so many other horror movies, they're almost like adept at surviving or they're just so stupid. But in this right. movie, I only feel like... Well, obviously, you know, those two characters on the, the left there are kind of stupid, but they're kids. They don't really yeah. know. They're They're not, you know... They're not they're not necessarily stupid. It's no. their innocence, which Dave is one Dave. of my favorite fucking characters in this movie. Dave like I I adore Dave and hate him in the X Files, but I love him in yeah, the Yeah, yeah. It uh I would I would argue that he does not fall into that stupid character because he they almost try to make him like the Bob character, yeah. but he's like infinitely better than Bob. Oh yeah. Like, I don't know. Suck it, Bob. Yeah. Dave is here. I love this next part, too. Like, he's sitting there smoking a J on the way to school, but then he's like, hey, do you guys care if I blow up this pumpkin? Yeah. Shut the fuck up, Dave. Yeah, Dave, shut up. I do like that they referenced that, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, wasn't that his sister or something? Like, no, that was just some shit people made up. I was like, I like that, but I also don't like the delivery of that line because it's kind of like, boom. I just, I don't know, it's iffy to me. But I like that they acknowledge that to really lull you into the whole, like, this is not Halloween 3. This is fucking a sequel to the first one. And here's our poor man's Heath Ledger. Yeah. Patrick, not Verona. Yeah, I see that. That's the hair. Mm -hmm. The hair, the bone structure in his face. I get a very, like, 10 things I hate about you vibe from these two in this movie. Patrick Verona. Yeah. (laughs) Kiss, kiss, and then the fat friend. And then the poor man's Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'll say the poor man's Eldon Henson. Ooh, that's a good one, yeah. too. That, that's kind of who he looks like. I, I see that. Because, you know, it's kind of the same Fulton Reed yeah. face he's yeah, got yeah, going yeah. there. <laughs> and that's my gift for me to you. You're welcome. Like, it's so interesting that, like, kind of the dynamic that these characters have. Because he's played off more like the kind of f- fun gay friend, really. <laughs> yeah. But then when he kind of later on turns to be a perv, I'm like, oh, that was, I did not expect that turn. Because <laughs> he plays it off more like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm flamboyant, this, that. God, that's like 
that's my phrase recently is this, that, that, and this. This, that, and that, that, and this. I fucking hate that I like pick up a phrase and then I use it all the time. And here we have the shot that we talked about yeah. last time. From the first movie. Yeah. You know. And it's just great that they brought it back, especially with her looking out the window and then we see Lori standing there. It's perfect. So fucking good. But no car passes and then she disappears. Yeah. She, she's actually there. <laughs> and even like the pen up to the, the lips. and It's just, mm-hmm. it really shows that she is a strode. Yeah. And this I love, too, because their relationship to me is so important in this movie. Because everyone tries to make it seem like Lori is completely unstable and unhinged and a hard person to have a relationship with. But yet these two, when they interact with each other, they're 100% normal. Yeah. They've got a good relationship. Like, Lori can joke around and, you know, she's like, you know what? Screw college. Like, go do whatever you want. Like. It's it's such a good scene, and it really shows to me that Lori's not what everyone's trying to say. This is someone who's extremely damaged, and someone who you know very clearly has certain levels of PTSD that she's oh, struggling absolutely. with. But her family and the world has turned their back on her, mm-hmm. and because of that, she's become very rough around the edges. Yeah. But yet, she still maintains this relationship. With Allison, I think is her name. So, mm. um, I just love this scene so much. I do too, especially because it, it also just really introduces that she's so different. Because yeah. in the first movie, she's walking and she has all of her books. She has all of this. She's like, you know, I have to do my homework. And in this one, she's like, ah, oh, fuck college. Yeah. Go to Mexico. She's just, this situation changed her outlook on life so much. I mean, why wouldn't it? I mean, it, Absolutely. That's traumatic for anybody. It completely changed who she is as a person. Yeah, and I feel that this is so much more realistic than an H2O where she was just changing her name and in hiding and afraid. This, she's she's flipped the script on being a victim. Yeah, and it, it sounds silly to say because it's a movie, but they make it feel so realistic. Oh, they do. Like, they, they take a very, very realistic route with the development over her character over 40 years. You know, it's just... Mm-hmm. It's amazing what they were able to accomplish with the writing. Oh, and I agree. Like, you know, hey, she had two marriages. Kid was taken away from her. Realistic things. And I really do think that's why I like this movie so much is just the realism from it. Because we live in a day and age where we've seen so many horror movies. We've seen it all. Right. And something that I feel is lacking half the time is a good realism. So if you can make a horror movie seem like something that could actually take place in the real world. I mean, you know, we have all of our supernatural things and everything like that, and that's perfectly fine. Sure. But Michael Myers, he might be an unstoppable force, but he, like they said, he's still a man. He's human. He's human. And, and the, that's why he's my favorite. Yeah. And the world around him is human. Yep. And I feel that that so often is forgotten, and they're just so willing to play it up and I know you. that's why you said that that's your favorite, but the Cult of Thorn bullshit makes him a supernatural no. character. No, Cult of Thorn makes him supernatural. I just love that slide because I love it so much. And I know you do, and I know, which I totally disagree <laughs> with. But it's just, it's so real. All of this movie, and I don't know, I can't get enough of things that are realistic like that. Yeah. I want to circle back to that in a second, but yeah. I do want um, to take the opportunity here to offer a little bit of trivia for our, trivia, for our yeah. listeners. Um, so the Loomis recording that we heard, right? So some of mm-hmm. that audio was actually um, Donald Pleasance. Um, but at the end, they rest do... Yeah, rest in peace. But at the end, they do um, uh, 
add some extra lines and I forget who it is, but you were able to explain who it was. Can you do that for our listeners real was quick? I? Yeah, I wanted to say that you said it was someone who was like on the crew. Did like a really oh, yeah. good Donald Pleasant impression. It was someone on the crew who just did a really good um Donald Pleasant impression and they were like, "Holy fucking shit." Look, yeah, absolutely. I thought you meant like can I tell you his name? Because I, I yeah, totally no. cannot tell you his name. <laughs> but yeah, it was just someone on the crew who could do a really good impression. They were like, wow. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, um, Hell, that's really fucking cool. Yeah, so that that I thought was kind of interesting when you first told me that. Because, you know, it sounds pretty convincing. Mm-hmm. And then you called out, like, specifically which part. I was like, oh, yeah, you can tell the difference. Because he doesn't pronounce that word that it, way. And it's kind of like the, the deterioration at the end. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like, eh, blah, blah, blah. Um, but going back to what you were saying about the realism in horror, I think that's why I gravitate so much to Halloween because you look at you look at the other classic slashers, right? You, have, mm-hmm. I want to talk about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street more specifically, yeah. right? So I've already talked about on the podcast before that I don't really like I enjoy the movie, but I'm not like you know engulfed in Nightmare because it's a dream monster and I don't mm-hmm. really like monsters, but the teenage characters that we see in movies like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th are very static, very boring teenagers. They don't think very smart. Yeah, just archetypes. Yeah, just very archetypal characters. But with Halloween, you see depth to a lot of the characters that they present, especially when you get later on into movies past one and two. You see a lot more depth to the characters. They really expand upon it, and they really create that world. And I think they didn't impeccable job of continuing to do that in this movie as well mm-hmm. um <laughs> this scene, run for it this scene made me so sad because this, they they have no realism. idea yeah they have no idea what she just went through and yet her daughter's sitting here being a total bitch to her i always forget this actress's name judy greer yes judy greer for whatever reason like i know the name and i know this chick's face but i can never just put them together because it seems like they don't fit. That's fair. I always just call her Trixie from uh, <laughs> Californication. Do some coke off her ass. How's Trixie going? <laughs> but oh, this is just so sad. She sat there with mm. a gun. And now she just walks in. She's breaking down at this dinner. I do like... Um, I guess I don't want to say I like the character. But um, Allison's boyfriend. I forget mm-hmm. his name. But... Um, Lonnie's kid, yeah, Lonnie's kid. So and Lonnie's uh, coming back for the next one. I'm so excited for that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that whole time. Uh, but he uh, he comes off as this very like wholesome, mm-hmm. sweet kind of teenager guy. Like he's still got a little bit of edge to him because he's like a teenager and he's cool or whatever. Um, but then later on in the movie, he just uh, a, a switch flips and we get a, mm. a very different side to him that you know. I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about it necessarily even still, but I, I do think that they did a good job of establishing his character as well and did a good job of at least surprising me when they changed his personality type up a little bit. I was like, okay, this dude's kind of a piece of shit, yeah, just like most teenage boys are, yeah. And I don't know. I, I'll come off as that guy who kind of like in the scene, obviously, you know, like he's super drunk and then that girl he's just talking to her and then she kisses him. Mm-hmm. I do think his girlfriend overreacted a little bit, but then he made it worse. Yeah. And that's the problem is that he, 
wasn't like, hey, you know, it was just like, oh, it wasn't. Oh, wasn't okay. He just tries to make it seem yeah. like it's not a big deal. Exactly. When he should have been like, holy fuck, I didn't. But no, and see that as his yeah. problem. It's like he was fine. And then he got drunk. And then people always kind of say like, oh, no, I did stupid shit when I was drunk. But there's so much scientific studies that say when you are drunk, you like just lose some inhibition. You would still make those choices anyway. Yeah. It's it's you losing your filter on yeah. what's okay and what's not. All right, so uh, we just had someone come to my door and ring the doorbell, so we had to pause for a second. Freaking so, solicitors. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna resync. So go ahead and pause and go back like a couple <laughs> seconds if you need to. Sorry about that. I'll um, say the dialogue as it appears on the screen for at yeah. least a couple seconds. So right now we're paused at where. Uh, the I don't even know what you would call this family because they're not the Strodes, but the boyfriend, the dad, and Lori's daughter and the granddaughter are all standing in the parking lot. Uh, Twenty-seven minutes and thirty-one seconds. If you want to sync it up to the time code, but yeah, sync it to the time code. We are going to push play right now. I don't know. It's not your job to save her. Kiss. Okay, so hopefully you're synced up with us. She'll be all right. And now it's in the, the car. Yep. Now we're in the pickup truck with the dad and his his gay dancer son. It's so like He's such an old dad, too. Like He is an old dad. <laughs> yeah. Or he's aging extremely poorly. One of the two. <laughs> you never really know. Anything can happen in Haddonfield. Yeah, I mean, Phil Collins is like he's 90 years old and he's not even 70, so. Yeah. I met a 70-year-old man yesterday who looked like he was in his 50s, so you just never know. Yeah, like my dad's he's turning 70 and he's he he's spry. He yeah. does not he does not look like he is 70. What the hell happened to you, Hoss? Oh shit. I come at you like a spider monkey. I think it was weird that they gave them like a southern draw. Yeah, it's like, like they're in Illinois. Yeah, it is a little Odd, because no one has really had accents like that before. But when you really think about it, the world is so small but so big at the same time. Yeah. So you, you never really know. They could have moved there. It's just, I do agree it's a weird choice, but it's They are listening like, to country music. Yeah, so. I was going to say. <laughs> <clears throat> Again, back to that just eerie image of mm -hmm. mental patients walking around in the dark in the middle of the road. And I think this is even kind of freakier because they're out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Mm -hmm. At least in the first one they were at Smith's Grove so you know they kind of had like you know that we know where we are in this one they don't know who's escaped they don't know what's going on and they're just random strangers. And for some god unknown reason this kid's got a fucking flip phone in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> and what is he gun. he's got a bolt action revival to go hunting with I mean. He'll I shoot guess. your eye out. Yeah. Jeez. I get so many strong like X File <clears throat> vibes from this shot of him just walking in front of the headlights. I just really like kind of the the shadow and the smoke and just yeah, fucking terrifying. Shoot him! I love how he's sitting here pointing the gun at this guy. When he's very clearly a, a lawman. Yeah, and he's kind of like doing a weird like two-step. Yeah. Kind of like checking on him. Well, he is a dancer. Yeah, well, that's, that's fair. Tell him to run. 
I like the way that they do the subtitles on this. They kind of try to line it up mm-hmm. with the character that's speaking. Run. I'm sorry. If a cop told me to run, I'm pretty sure I would. Yeah. But it's also like that's his dad, so I mean, I get it. But also like... But um, now let me go inside the bus. Yeah. Fucking this is a weird choice for a child. It was a weird choice. Like, I wouldn't go in there. Fuck. <laughs> Don't, Don't shoot. shoot. Oh, fuck. <laughs> this is why people should not have guns. <laughs> Ooh, getting political. We're getting so political with this. It's why, well, children shouldn't have guns because they'll just fucking yeah. shoot anything. You know, shoot your eye out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh snap. and Michael's in the car. This was absolutely wild to me when I saw mm. this. When I saw it with you, you had already seen it, so it was your second time seeing it, and you kind of hinted at it, but Michael Myerstrip just killed a child there. Yeah. We had never seen him kill somebody so young. No. Like, he killed a kid. Yeah. And that's crazy. I love this Back to the Future pinball machine they're playing, too. Gotta go back in town. And then you got the... You want to say kid talking shit, but that's a grown ass man. That's he's gr- got he's got gray in his hair talking shit over the pinball machine. Oh hey, yeah. Haddonfield's not really a young people at the uh, you know the corner corner store with yeah. the cops in the arcade. You know, I do like too that they've kind of modernized the police force, right? So like that was kind of always the hard thing for me to accept with more modern style. TV is that like small town feel where you've got a small police force and you've got like the traditional like sheriff vehicles and stuff like that. Like they modernized this. They gave yeah. it the more modern like police SUV. It's the Warren County Sheriff's Department. Kind of like the same thing with the Twin Peaks revival, which mm-hmm. it bothered me, but it also didn't bother me. Like Twin Peaks was a very small town, so that was small police force, but then they gave them like a bigger operation mm-hmm. that had like a dispatch and stuff. So I like it. I like it in Halloween. Um, I think it, it kind of speaks to how much time's gone by. I don't know how many people are moving to Haddonfield, Illinois, after everything that happened mm-hmm. there, but obviously enough to boost the economy. Yeah, that's um, kind of the interesting thing. Like you said, it's just it's not Haddonfield PD. It's obviously for the whole county, so these yeah. cities are small enough that it, you know it's just, hey, it's for everybody in this kind of general vicinity. It's not kind of just the small town anything anymore right and here we have yet again a different caretaker of the graveyard mm-hmm. which if you listen last week always seems to bug me for some reason and i don't know it's been fucking 40 years man yeah. do you really think that guy is still no but like working there maybe his son it might not be a family operation i don't know i don't know i don't know what it is why i always assume that it needs to be hey look sister titties again dear god <laughs> It, it kind of does make me wonder if, I mean, obviously it's the same look, but it makes me wonder if that's the same tombstone. Like if someone went there and, you know, they were just like, oh, well, there's a dead girl in front of this tombstone now, but mm, yeah, let's just let's go grab that tombstone and put it back. You know, just, sure. Don't want to have to pay for it. I love how they get very specific into uh-huh. how Michael stabbed and killed his sister. Mm-hmm. But really you're hearing the description as we're watching it. Like mm-hmm. none of the things that they're saying happened actually happened. 
I thought the cowboy hat was a weird choice. Yeah, I'm just throwing that it, out it there. It is an odd choice. But then again, like, it's just like you said, it's Illinois, but why the fuck do you have a cowboy hat? Yeah. And not to not to create a racial element here, but you got a black sheriff wearing a cowboy hat. It's, it's odd. It's just an odd choice all around. Yeah, like, to call him Hawkins. It's like, hey, what's popular right now? Stranger Things? Yeah, fucking call, yeah. Him, fucking call him Hawkins. <laughs> yeah, why not? I don't know, maybe that's like, you know, kind of <clears throat> a nod to Blazing Saddles. Maybe. With the, with the sheriff having a... Babysitter Murders, Murder. The Original title for the film. Was it really? Oh, yeah. Halloween's a much better name. I, absolutely. Babysitter Murders sounds like a B-level horror movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what it was yeah. at the time. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, what are we going to do? Cancel Halloween? I loved that. I did too. Especially like laughing at it. And uh-huh. like, yep. Because that's what they did in Haddonfield and those other fucking movies. Just cancel on Halloween. And here we are at the gas station. I did love that we saw Michael kind of hiding behind a tree in the graveyard. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, Michael Myers is a big fucking dude. You didn't see him standing behind that big ass tree, like he wasn't hidden very well. No, no. It's kind of like if a toddler was hiding behind the tree. Ooh, and then we have him in the background. Yeah, just like so nonchalant. But to be fair, his outfit that he's in does kind of look like Scrubs. Yeah. She definitely looks like she'd be in that van. Yeah. (laughs) Peace. Peace. What the fuck are you talking about, man? (laughs) <laughs> I love how she just like looks to the side like, um, what? She's like, you're not from around here, are yeah. you? <laughs> Where's the Lou? Can you go to the shop? Do you need anything? It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so prim and proper, the ladies' lounge. Do you have I any do love that. working in your garage? Look at that lounge for the ladies. Yeah, smart move. <laughs> God. Ooh. I do like the slight like humor elements they've added in here, which, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of one of the things that we had talked about on the podcast before when we first heard about it. You know, we have Danny McBride involved in the writing of the movie, and I know initially I was like, hey, I hope they add some humor into it. Like, I want it to be funny. You've got comedic mm-hmm. writers in here, and they did an excellent job of making this movie a horror movie, but with those quick, like, comedy breaks. Like, her mm-hmm. opening the stall door, like, oh, God, like... I think they did a really good job of doing some small humor, yeah, you know, poke fun moments. But you have to balance that out because it's not, I mean, the real world is funny. Yeah. It just is. It, not everything is so serious. I mean, I crack jokes all the fucking time and it's just, that's more realistic to me than, you know, just people being so stoic the whole time. Cause that's just, that's not how the world is. And I think that's where modern horror kind of struggles is they try to make it so serious. Yeah. Like the conjuring movie, like those are pretty serious movies. I don't, I don't see a whole lot of funny parts. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying like just in general, like scary movies, you're not seeing a whole lot of funny stuff going on. And I will say more like naturally funny. Yeah. Because there's like, I mean, I don't hate Freddy Krueger at all. I would think he's a great character, but he's too funny for his own good. Sometimes his one liners suck. I hate them. Sometimes that really bothers me, especially when the film is poorly written, because it's like, well, it really just doesn't work. Like yeah. that. Oh, Ooh, just rip his jaw right off. You know, 
you made a you made a reference to Laurie Strode kind of being like a Sarah Connor mashup. Michael Myers has a very similar mm-hmm. deal that a Terminator has, where they have to find an outfit in yeah. every movie, and Michael Myers always seems to gravitate to stealing mechanic outfits. Your clothes, give yeah. them to me. Give me your clothes. Laundry oh, day. This is so fucked up. I love this shit. It's just like I don't even understand it, but I love it. Yeah. Like I don't Like he he ripped the dude's jaw. He yeah. He took time to pick up his teeth too. Yeah. Like I love this how it's just like, uh, do you really think you can kind of get away from me here? Yeah, you're just gonna crawl underneath all the stalls. Like, I can get to you very easily. Then she's in the gross one now. And it does look rather gross in that. It does look pretty gross. I was expecting like a turd to be floating or something, but... Slightly looks like there there might be. <laughs> Just I think she was a pretty good performance in here, too. Mm-hmm. And I like that... I like that he kind of holds his own, really. He, yeah. I mean, I'm not obviously saying he's any match for him, but he goes at him. Like, yeah. he gives it the, to that. He gives it the old college try, as they say. And that to me is is really cool because it, it proves they obviously care about each other because he could have just turned tail. Yeah. Like if they had been kind of like, you know, oh, he's the international person coming into the small town. She's like a small town guide or whatever like that. He would have fucking left her. Yeah. But in this, he actually went up against her because, or him rather, because he cares for her. They're friends. They're partners. Yeah, yeah. They say, so he's not just not invested in her and it's more realistic. That he actually went to attack him instead of just any sane person who didn't know that other person right, right. at the fucking door. I like how we see Michael Myers' strength in this, too. Yeah. Like, obviously, she's not she's not a very heavy woman. She's very slender. She's a little petite. But, yeah, he just picks her the fuck up. Well, I mean, like, Bob. Yeah. Just hook him and... I saw when this movie came out, they did a comparison because the original mask, which we talked about last time, was um, a Captain Kirk mask. Um, but they they did a they posted a picture online that I saw. It wasn't like by the it wasn't by Bloomhouse or anything like that, but <clears throat> they showed the mask from from this movie and they showed a modern picture of William Shatner, and it was pretty fucking impressive. Like. How the how it, it looks does like it does kind of look like him still, and it looks like aged and has like wrinkles and shit on it. It's pretty impressive. I it's thought Captain James D. Kirk, yeah, exactly. of the Starship. I think Lori has a Goodwill addiction, just like Zach, where she hey. needs to go find emergency TVs and hook them up in her hey. kitchen. <laughs> Be nice to my TVs. I think the hydraulic. Uh, island's pretty pretty cool. It's fucking cool. Like, I don't see a practicality for that for, like, me. Because I'm not a doomsday prepper or, like, had anything like that traumatic happen in my life where I'm like, fucking, I need to have this. But, like... It'd be pretty fun, fun though. Fuck that. Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> fun and a necessity are two very different things. I like how their house is so normal too. Yeah. Like it's just 
they did a great job of like the set decoration here too like it just feels i don't know feels just such a good in. yeah as opposed to Lori's house in the first film where it's, it just does not feel lived in. Yeah, it was just almost too clean all the time. We'll put a hat on the wall and, you know, yeah. clothes out in the dryer. But, you know, we'll just have, like, white sheets. We won't do right. anything like, you right. know, not real clothes and just, it's real. Like, like you said, it's lived in. It's not crazy. <laughs> I love how he's just so oblivious to the world around him. Oh, God. You're dead. You scared me. <laughs> you mean, how did I get in your house? <laughs> yeah, Karen. <laughs> yeah, sure you can. I know jujitsu. It, it's the middle of the day. Allison's at school. Fair point. I love how Lori points the gun at him. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus, settle down. See, and Ray's like such a meek character, but he's he stands his own too. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't point that gun at me. He's like, what are you doing in my house? Like, I can yeah. take care of my family. Like, he, he at least stands up for himself. He's not, you know, kind of. Yeah. I don't want to say, like, he's not that kind of. He doesn't get bulldozed over, but yeah. he kind of does at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, he tries his best, but I think it's just because Lori's such a strong woman, and then even Karen is a strong woman in that regard, but she kind of, I think it's almost like she knows how strong she is, so she married Ray because yeah. he's not as strong, but, you know, she she, she, she doesn't, she wants to take that back seat. Yeah, she didn't want a, she didn't want to marry her mother. She didn't no. want to marry someone super strong and tough and rough and tumble. Mm-hmm. It's good. I like them. They're a good pairing. Yeah, definitely. I think the color palette for the police force cars needs to be adjusted. It's a really bright blue. I was going to say, that was uh, not very inconspicuous. Yeah. It's a little baby blue. <laughs> I, was there. I was there. Was he, though? Well, see, that's the great thing about only having one film where you really don't see that much of the police force. Yeah. Even if he had gone to, like, the second or uh, obviously in the fourth one where... Loomis actually walks into the sheriff's station and he's like, oh, no, we know you here. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Like, we could have seen him then, but if you only have one thing, let's wait for it. Where are the kids? Where are, where are those? Oh, there are the kids. It's popping. Is it, is it the Silver Shamrock now or is it in a couple minutes? No, we'll see it here in a second. Oh. Boop. And there you go, bumping into Michael. And I love, I love this it. because it's so much like the original one. Mm-hmm. And then this. Yeah. Oh God, this. Like, in the theater, when I, I just all smiles. Even right now, I'm all smiles because it's like, this line to me is Halloween. Like, trick or treat. Just oh fucking shit. I love it. God, I don't even know what I was talking about. We were talking about oh, yeah. the masks. I could have sworn that we were gonna see masks right there, but I think it's in a little bit. Oh, you know what? It is. It's um, yeah. it's the other trick-or-treating scene that we see. Mm-hmm. I love this, though, because it's so, like you said, the nods to the yeah. other films. Because this is a it's nod the, to Halloween, too. It's the peanut butter and jelly scene. He like puts that down, picks up the knife, and, you know, just yeah. like in Halloween. Except too. he doesn't pick up the knife. He beats her well, to death with a hammer. With the hammer, then he goes for the knife. And unlike in the uh, Halloween, too, he does he kills both the people in the house yeah. instead of like, oh, I'm just going to take your knife. Ham. 
this was just like the craziest things as far as i know for this um scene they did have a husband character but the actor who was cast did not show up for the day mm. so they threw a baby in there and they were like you know well we'll have we'll see the baby and everything like that and then you really think because of just how he was so willing to kill that kid he might be willing to kill a baby yeah but even then he's like nope yeah i have standards yeah, and I gotta kind of res—I don't want to say respect that, but also it's like I'm just glad they didn't kill a kid, like a yeah. baby. Trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. I don't think I could have handled that if they killed a baby. No, that'd been a little bit much. The kid alone was mm-hmm. enough of a shock. Is it weird that this scene always reminds me of Trick or Treat? Mm, it's the costume. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of like the. Sexy nurse costume just always yeah. it always makes me think of trick or treat. The costume in the BMW. Yeah. Where are the damn masks? The fuck? I'm pretty sure it's the scene where Lori is out there running. It's like, I'll go inside, go to the McKenzie's or whatever. Which she does. Do as I say. Always telling kids to go to the McKenzie's house. I fucking they... love this scene though. It's oh, one of my too. favorite kills in this movie. All oh, that reflection. The reflection's great, mm. and then you get the shadow on the wall as he walks by here in a minute. Perfect. It just speaks to how oblivious we are in everyday life. Yeah. Like, you would never think the fact that there's some dude in the mask staring at you. No. Oh. And then oh. I just love that they never change camera angles. They just stay right there on it, and then the shadow in the side. And how you see him, but you also see, like, how mm-hmm. imposing. Oh, God, that's... That shit is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Very, very good filmmaking in this movie. And here he just comes walking up behind her. Again, we have not cut. We have not moved the camera. Nothing. We are in the same exact spot. And it's like only (gasps) slightly moving to kind of indicate that like, not suspense, but like, you know, you don't know what's happening right now. It's the subtlest move. This whole Bonnie and Clyde shit. It's... There we go. There's a there's a witch's mask. Um, there we go. There's another mask. Well, those aren't the the OG silver. The, they're not the OGs, masks. but they're close. The DJ is definitely wearing an OG one though. Do, 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 I think the the whole Bonnie and Clyde ideas at first it was kind of like an eye roll, like oh this is fucking stupid. But mm-hmm. at the same time, think about high school kids. Yeah, they think that that shit's funny. And I, it's, I actually think it's kind of clever. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't do it myself, but I think it's clever. Yeah, I'll give you that, I guess. It's unexpected, but it does seem very high school. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I oh. like this chick a lot more than PJ Souls, and I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. Totally. Totally. And it's it's funny because they very much try to like hint at the fact that she's that character mm-hmm. with like the yellow. and Like, that's exactly what it is. I love how she refers to her as grandmother. Grandmother. Like, I've never called my grandma grandmother. Grandmama. Yeah. Like, grandmama. Grandmother. It's almost, it's so refined. Julian, it's so proper. Julian's the best character in this film. Mm-hmm. He's coming back, right? For the second I one? I think so. I, I don't know that for sure, but I pray he is. He's a fucking funny kid. He is. I liked him a lot. <laughs> You're going to smoke some weed. Alakazam. Alakazam. 
<laughs> Don't lie to me. <laughs> you better not. It's just like you're not even looking at it. It's like you better not. I want to tell me you smoke weed. Yeah, I'm going to tell me that you look at porn. <laughs> oh, well, I guess we're at a Mexican standoff. <laughs> I like that <laughs> this movie, too, is making it. It's taken on a more realistic take on the babysitter relationship, too. Yeah. Like, I felt like the original, obviously, is, is a long time ago, but it was so formal. Mm-hmm. Like, this one just feels so natural. Like, every babysitter I had, I had growing up was a lot like this. Yeah, they just don't care as much, you know, like, they care, but they're like, you know, like, I don't want to participate in every single damn activity with you. Let's just yeah. watch some TV, you know. Watch some TV, I'll give you stuff that you're not normally supposed to have, yeah. and then you'll go to bed, and I'll get paid and go home. Exactly, it's, you know, it's just a fun dynamic. It's not, you know, like, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do that, and we'll just have a great time, we'll carve pumpkins, we'll watch things, we'll do popcorn, and it's just like, dear God, Lori. Yeah. You have a whole night of activities. Yeah. You just spent your entire pay on the activities for the night. So much room for activities. Oh, man. Yeah. Horrified mask. All the the cheerleaders being so creative. Hey. I don't know. Scoops Ahoy. (laughs) I was just going to say that. Steve? Now, I don't know where everyone went to school that's listening, but I know for me personally, the high school I went to, the cheerleaders were the worst dancers by far. And I feel Mm -hmm. like this movie really solidifies that fact. See, he even kind of shakes his head no, too. But he also doesn't react the way that a decent guy does. Like, pull away and be like, whoa, what are you doing? It was very more nonchalant, like, hey... You're really hot, mm-hmm. and you look like a tiger right now, but that's not cool. And now my girlfriend just saw us, and I have to yeah. go talk to her now. And I think he's also, like, super drunk. So, yeah. like, it kind of took him a second to realize. And I'm obviously not defending him, but I kind of am in that in that instance. But then this is the problem. Yeah. It's, it's the defensiveness. She was literally talking to yeah. me. Really? No, it's like, he, she kissed you, say, you know... I got to be fucked up. Yeah, Lonnie's kid. This is where it yeah, goes I was a say, little far. He's toast now. Yeah. And there was even deleted scenes that kind of showed you a little bit more what happened to him, but they're bringing him back for the sequel as far as I know to kind of oh, really? give him a, a more extended role. Because I do think that he's going to play more into what happens with her character yeah. in terms of her kind of being a little wackadoo. Yeah, I liked his character. I don't think they gave him necessarily enough to do. No. Old, old Lady, Lady Miller. Miller. Like, Jesus. how modern is that? Yeah. Like, oh, it's by Old Lady Miller's house. It's actually like a restaurant. <laughs> because that's the only way that <laughs> makes a little sense. neighborhood cafe. Yeah, exactly. Old Lady Miller. And just that. The white fucking sheets. Uh-huh. That butcher knife that everyone... Uses for things. Yeah, it's like they have one yeah. set of knives that they sell in this town. Exactly. I'm like, I never use the big kitchen knife. Ever. Like, I'll use so many other knives, but the big kitchen knife, I never use. I will say, I just bought a 12-inch knife that I will be using constantly. Oh, I just, 
I don't really do anything that I need a larger knife. Like I chop vegetables, meat, this, that. So a, a big that, knife. That, that, oh, I go. A big knife is actually perfect for vegetables because when you slice a vegetable, fun fact for everybody listening, you want one fluid motion to slice yeah. it all the way through. That's what a big a, knife is good for. I use a santoku. Well, there you go. I need to replace my santoku though. I love the pumpkin. It's so cute. Didn't you curve your pumpkin like this? I did. After I saw this last year, I was uh, at my girlfriend's uh, parents' house, and they were like, oh, you know, do you want to carve the pumpkin? Because we really don't want to. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I uh, carved it. The mouth was different because I didn't remember what the mouth looked like, but the eyes and the nose were identical. You're so going to dry fuck tonight. That's so funny. Hey, at least not fucked. We're going to dry hump on this couch. At least she's honest. Yeah. You got to respect that. You know, she's a woman who knows what she wants. She wants to get dry fucked. What was that? Pop tarts? Did you say pop tarts? <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Julian taking a dump. Julian taking a dump. <laughs> Julian taking a dump? I love, this is again why I love his character so much, because he's like, he's like, all right, I'll go do it. But he's very obviously like, mm-hmm. I'm scared too. Like, do I have to? All right, little buddy. Taking a dump. <laughs> this is a <laughs> fucked up face. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Shut up, Dave. I love Julian. He's such a funny character. He is. Send Dave first. Send Dave. I like that they still call it the Boogeyman, yeah. too. How it's always capitalized. Mm-hmm. I just love because it speaks to that small town mentality that we kind of still have that everyone has these doors unlocked. Yeah. Because if Michael Myers is breaking into these houses, there would be an indication of that. People would hear that, at least something. But all these people just leaving their back doors open, leaving a a window cracked here and there. I don't know. I don't know about everyone else, but on Halloween, I haven't been smart enough to lock the doors because there was an incident when I was, um, I was like 14. Um, I was just, you know, hanging out on the couch in my house and I had fallen asleep because whatever it was, uh, Halloween, I was just, tired I think I had stayed up all night for like a project at school the night before and these kids just walked right into the house because uh, my sister had forgotten to lock the front door and it was just like what the fuck did you think this was like so yeah no I mean I kind of understand that but you you lock your fucking doors on Halloween yeah and I it kind of it makes you wonder like I like that shot of the sheets yeah um they're they're in a town where the babysitter murders happened right mm-hmm. like for a certain period of time, everyone was locking their doors. And then after 40 years, we've kind mm-hmm. of gone back to the fact, like, look, something bad happened here a long time ago. doesn't happen something anymore. It's We're in a safe town again. Yeah. <laughs> what if it's a doll? Weird, like, kid dolls. That's Tanner's favorite kind of doll, right? Nope. You love those dolls. No, oh, I absolutely hate them yeah, in every single favorite. way. It's your number one thing. Like, if anyone so wants to send Tanner a present, send him, like, a doll. He loves dolls. Yeah, I'll be burning it on my front <laughs> porch. won't even walk in the house. <laughs> Just, like, light it on fire. Oh, Jesus. God. 
Fucking you, stoner, dropping this bike. Oh, God, and it's just like... The kickstand's on the other side, mm. Dave, dipshit. Dave. I love this too because they they lower the tension. Like everything's mm-hmm. totally fine and then all of a sudden just Fuck boop, it's not. Oh my god. Gun. I love that fucking scene. Cause it's just like he's I like that so she fights meticulous. Back. Yeah, and that's that I love that everyone tries to fight back. Unlike in the other things, they just kinda like squirm around a little bit and like try and but she was like, Fuck you, I'm gonna mm-hmm. pick up this chair, I'm gonna try and kick your ass. Go, Dave. Even Julian tries to do something, you know, like, mm-hmm. it just, that's bravery that you really don't see in a lot of movies, because, yeah. don't go up there, Dave. You're going to get killed, Dave. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. And even Dave tries to help, like, yeah, stoner Dave tries to do it. Well, hey, he got her name tattooed, yeah. and he loves her. We didn't get a name, he got a... 1031. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1031. For the day they were gonna fuck. Oh, man. Poor Dave. Poor Vicky. By, by old man Wickle's house. <laughs> by, the, by the creepy carnival. There, there we, we go. go. The OG silver shamrock masks. God, those are... Bet those kids are going home for the big giveaway at nine. <laughs> Don't stick too close to the TV. <laughs> Make it fucking zapped by remnants of Stonehenge. God, that movie's weird. It's so weird, I but everyone, so everyone's like kind of accepted it for what it is now. I feel like it's a lot more popular. We're more forgiving now. It still just should have been called Season of the Witch, but you know. Oh yeah. What can you do? I like kids are still saying that. Like, I don't like. I've been trick or treating with. Uh, your girlfriend's little sisters before, and I I wasn't hearing that all the time. They weren't like trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. Like kids, I don't know, kids still say that. Oh, they definitely do. They definitely do. They definitely do. But what's funny is they all think that they're the ones who came up with it. They're <laughs> so clever. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know what rhymes with trick or treat? Smell my feet. <laughs> so good. Yeah, they should give us something good to eat yeah. too. <laughs> What I like about this, too, and what I like about a lot of newer movies is they pay more attention to how firearms are held. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at older movies, everyone that searches a house has the gun, like, way outstretched in front of them, and they're not handling it properly. Like, when you see more modern stuff like this, whoops, sorry, um, you've got it tight to your chest, right? Mm-hmm. So... In terms of control of a gun, if you have it outstretched in front of you, someone's going to see that gun first. They're going to grab the gun out of your hand as it pokes around the corner. When you have it close to your chest, you have more control over it. Mm. And like you can see the difference between the way Lori's holding hers and the way yeah. this police officer is holding his. There's just a big difference. I saw the job 40 years plus, you know, and then a yeah, civilian. It just, it, uh, for whatever reason, that's a detail I always pay attention to. And nothing drives me crazier than when I see someone who's supposed to be a law enforcement officer holding a gun in the improper way. And also when you kind of see the way he's doing it, he doesn't lower it to his side. He still, he kind of lowers it a little bit. He's pointing it towards the ground. Yeah, but he still has it Mm -hmm. just easily that he can lift it up so quickly. Yeah. The pumpkin. I love the pumpkin in the aquarium. He's, that's the other great thing that we've talked about with Michael Myers is he's so theatrical. Oh, he is. 
And this is just like all theatrics. And this shot right here. Mm -hmm. And that's something I love about this movie is that Michael's not really hiding. He's, He's there. I mean, he's obviously, you know, horrifying, but he... He doesn't really give a shit. Like, he walked right by that police officer just nonchalant as anything. Yeah. He's like, you know, I killed these Guns people. Guns going off. He yeah. doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I saw Lori. That's what are you going to do. I got shot six fucking times and then fell out a window and they caught me a couple minutes later, but I'm fine. And then we got our boy Dave yeah. pinned up like Bob. And even Ooh. that, like, she fucking attacked him, but he doesn't slow down. Mm-mm. I like the close-up, too. Yeah. Kind of like solidify the day that it is. <laughs> what year is it? This isn't Halloween 1978. Yeah. It's oh. Halloween 18. Jesus Christ, Frank. And I like that she knows him well enough to call him Frank, too. Yeah. Like, they know each other. I think I like it, but I also don't like it because they're trying to force this relationship that the two of them have from 40 years ago when mm-hmm. we didn't see a Frank character in the original. No, but I mean, I think it's because we didn't obviously bring back Charles Cypher's character. You know, we don't have, like, he was really the only cop we ever dealt with. And then in the second one, obviously, there were more. And then in the fourth one, there were more. But in this one, like, they kind of have to introduce that because they would know who Lori is. And they would also know, like, no one buys that many guns and has all that stuff and has all these troubles without people knowing. And she's obviously gotten in trouble with the law before. So it probably wasn't That's a relationship a from 40 years ago. It's more developed in that time of frame. Of her instability. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, hey, her daughter got taken away. Who's to say that Frank wasn't the one who showed up to take the daughter away or something? Yeah. That's fair. That's like, fair. There's a lot of stuff that can happen in that time, but just him. Sartain. I didn't really realize, like, how little we actually see of him mm-hmm. in this movie. I was going to say, he's not uh, that big of a character compared to Loomis. <laughs> we don't need your help, Lori. Yeah. And then this is the creepy shit where then we mm-hmm. were kind of like, oh, there's something up with this dude. Yeah, he's obviously not, you know, not on a level playing field. Yeah. You're the new Loomis. I, I fucking I love that. Line. It's perfect. Just like. And see that right there. I read everything about you and Michael. Everything. Something is going to be explained in the next two movies. There is more to it than we know. Something happened in those that 40 year time frame. I just know it fucking did. And I don't know obviously what it was, but. He wouldn't, he would be like, oh, I know, I read everything about you and Michael. And then just like, he kind of like, almost like Terminator style, like stared at her up and down. He's like, everything. This is my theory, and I know it's incorrect, but it kind of goes to the other sequels. I really wonder if his daughter is actually, or her daughter is Michael's daughter, too. Like if there's some weird. Like they slept together? Yeah, like there was some weird event or instance or anything like that. I know that sounds weird. But there has to be something that happened in that time frame because that's just, it's not explained. Why would he say everything like that? It's a very cult of thorn of you. Yeah. And see, that's the problem. (laughs) That's why I don't want to say that, but that's kind of what I think is that something happened and 
Because otherwise, you mean, I read everything about you and Michael. There's a secret there. Because otherwise, it's like, yeah, what, what the hell did you read? Some deranged serial killer broke out, you know, and I was just one of the random victims because he saw me drop off keys at his house. Yeah. Like, that's literally their only connection is he saw her drop off the keys for her dad, and then that's where they met. Like, there is no, like, divine kind of thing. Like, there is, like, oh, that's his sister. In this, it's just, like, sure, I saw her with keys, and I thought she was pretty. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's there's going to be a lot to it. Yeah. I'm excited to see where they take it because it's, like you said, they've made a very big point for mm-hmm. him to pause and then say everything. Yeah. And I love the kind of duality that he's talking about. Like, you know, is he on a random path or is he emotionally driven? Mm-hmm. And that to me is kind of how I feel about this movie. And obviously this is your Cult of Thorn reference right there for, for Tanner. Yeah. It's like some un... It's some imprinted marching order, which I still think is whatever. I won't get into it again. Um, <laughs> but I'm so fascinated by what he says because I've always maintained in this movie, and I don't fight with her about this, but my girlfriend and I discuss it all the time, where I simply say that without Sartain, who knows how long it would have taken Michael to get to Lori. Like if Lori is locked up and you know she was just doing all that stuff like that, Sartain brought Michael to mm-hmm. Lori, or brings that hasn't happened yet. But... Is he emotionally driven or is he really just a force? Is he really just the shape who's kind of, you know, going to anything because would he have even found Lori? Is he just randomly? I just think it's convenience. I think he just conveniently runs into her Mm -hmm. because I think they're tied together by fate. Yeah. Which we we talk about in the first one. Like, Mm -hmm. I just truly think it's fate that brings them together. And that's kind of where that, you know, almost slightly supernatural element kind of comes into play. Like, you know, there's something past just these characters yeah and it it really goes deeper than that i think i think um it kind of ties into what your belief system is but i i think that we encounter people in our lives for a reason i think it's predetermined to a certain extent so when we're talking about fate i don't think it's necessarily a supernatural element i think it's you know you're intended to go through certain things in your life and this is Lori's test is to deal with you know Michael Myers. God yeah. really hated Laurie Strode. Yeah, it's like fuck this girl. I'm gonna throw a psychopath killer in her path. That's fucking dude. Like this, I didn't. I didn't anticipate that. I was like, what? But yeah, then he is a horny devil. Mm-hmm. I thought you were sending me signals, dude. Look at you. Oh, sorry, you can't tell Cameron about this. I feel like I swear. Motion sensor, dumbass. <laughs> I don't know. I love that, though. I'm, like, really drunk right now. Seriously. I get really horny at all party, and all these girls are, like, dancing on me. <laughs> <laughs> Their beautiful bodies got me all chubbed out. <laughs> they were feeding me guacamole. Sexy waves. <laughs> I, just, I love his rationalization. <laughs> they were feeding me guacamole. I only got a couple beers. Mr. Elrod. Mm. No. That's not him. Oh, my God. Just, like, how stupid he... Like, it's not even... Like, if he was coming out of the house and said something, you really think that asshole is just randomly waiting in the backyard yeah. to talk to you? Like, yeah, he just hangs out in a yeah. full costume in his bushes oh just waiting for people. 
Jeez. I'll piece out of your hair, man. Oh, but I, I do love the motion sensor. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just such an interesting thing. Because you really have to bring something to a franchise that obviously has been around for 40 years. You can't just have the same kills rehashed over and over and over again. You have to update it. Yeah. And the motion sensor is definitely a nice update. Definitely. I like the motion sensors oh, a lot in this scene. So smart. What's up? Oh, my God. That shot's so good. And I love how the movie, oh, I don't want to say that it's not shot consistently, but it's not. Like, this scene feels so different than other yeah. scenes, but it's so cohesive in that nature that makes it, kind of adds to the suspense and the uncertainty. Like, you don't know who's going to survive. Yeah. The style kind of bounces yeah. around. Yeah, but it's it's just so smart. I don't know, I fucking, I, don't know, I could go on and on about this film forever. I think it's one of the, the best horror films ever, and I... I hate to say it, but I think this one, in my opinion, is just as good as the first one. Oh, yeah. Just as if good. If not better. Yeah. This is a great kill. I didn't want to say it's better. I wanted you to say it first, but oh, I think, it, I think it's better. It. <laughs> I like this one more than the original. Oh, The original, as, as much as I love the original, oh. it's dated. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That's just horrifying. I love how she came all the way back. Well, he was screaming. Mm-hmm. See, everyone is in this movie is so brave. She's like, oh, fuck. It makes you wonder if he knows who that is, in a way. Yeah. Like, if he's at least, like, slightly reminded of Lori. I mean, she doesn't, like, she's not a twin of Lori or anything like that, but. Yeah, like, why, why did he kill them? Just mm-hmm. because they were there? Yeah. That's why I really think he's just... A severely mentally unstable individual, and mm-hmm. anybody that crosses his path is just dead. Like, I don't think he has any idea who she is. Mm-hmm. That is also an interesting thing because in the first film, Lori runs to that house and then knocks on the door, and then no one, like they like answer like no, fuck you. Yeah. But in this one, she ran to a house, no one answered, and then she goes to the next house, and someone yeah, is at least kind her to her. So it kind of speaks to that. In the original film, you know, everybody was like, oh, you know, leave your doors unlocked, whatever. But in this one, you know, like, oh, leave your doors unlocked. But there are still nice people who will open up when someone says, please help somebody, help, help, right. help. Where in the first film, you have Lori screaming. It's like, ah, oh, fuck you, go away. I don't want to deal with you. And I love that she knows who he is, though. Like, oh, man, that's got to be the worst thing. Because, I mean, in the second one, in the original... Like, there were all these people, like, Ben Tramer is wearing the same mask, just with slightly different hair color. And then in the fourth one, there were other kids wearing Michael Myers masks, like, you know, trying to be Michael, and that mob almost fucking kills them all. But I just think it's so interesting in this, like, she saw him once and was like, it's fucking Michael Myers. Yeah, that mask isn't readily available at every hardware store. Yeah, not anymore. And were there, like, pictures? Kind of what was, like, it makes you wonder exactly... He's like Michael Myers, an internet legend with like all these things kind of speaking to the podcast and everything yeah. like that. I mean, like, you would you would think that it somehow got extremely documented mm-hmm. because how did the two podcasters end up with the actual mask? Like that's oh, yeah. it's a piece of evidence. So yeah, and two podcasters from Britain too. Right. Like, you know, it's not just random fucking teenagers or anything. It's like you and I go and like ask for a, a serial killer's mask, they'd be like 
mm, who the fuck are you yeah, to? You want you want a mask of of <laughs> Ted Bundy? It's a little weird, man. You want his face? You want John Wayne Gacy's clown outfit? <laughs> All right. So yeah, like no one has that many guns without the police knowing who she is probably, in a small town like that. Probably. There you go. I like the crossbow. It's oh, a random touch. Just everything in there. It's like. I mean, on on <laughs> the realistic scale, <laughs> though, if you look at hunters, mm-hmm. it's really not that astounding the amount of guns. I think the amount of shotguns that she has is a little. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, "Well, why does she have so many shotguns?" But in terms of collection of firearms, she really doesn't have anything that would stand out a whole lot. It's like she has a bunch of AR-15s. Like mm-hmm. she's got hunting rifles and shotguns and revolvers. And a crossbow. Just and for then, uh, just to mix it up a little bit. A doomsday camp. So yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like a bunch of shots being fired over at the uh, the Strode residence. It's like, I don't know, she's just blowing up <laughs> dummies again. This. Yeah. Kill him. Fuck him. Oh fucking kill him. Fuck him up. Ben Tramer that guy's ass. Oh. This shit's so wild. I can really say, like, I did not see this coming until he did that. I don't know. Just I, I like I said, I saw it coming. It was the second that he was talking about, like, how in depth, like I said, the marching orders. Like, mm-hmm. is he have kind of all this? And I was like, something's very off about this guy. Cause I knew, I knew something was off, but not to this extent. Because mm-hmm. Loomis understood what he was, but Sartain didn't. I think that kind of drove him crazy. Like you said, he just, Loomis was understanding. This guy kind of doesn't get it. Yeah, he became obsessive. Yeah. He wanted to understand so bad that he had to mm-hmm. kill himself. And he thinks that's the only way to to understand is to essentially become him. Right. So this is what it feels like. Panting. <laughs> Come on, like, you, oh my god, just this next shot is fucking crazy. I love it, but it's so like cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. Just boof. Oh, so fucked up. It is so. Ugh. It gives me the shivers. Mm-hmm. I love the special effects they did on the deputies, like, throw mm-hmm. two where he was stabbed. Like, it's not, like, huge gashes. Like, it's very thin mm-hmm. strokes from the tiny little blade that, that Sartain had. Yeah, A-plus to, the like, the makeup and the effects crew on these films. Like, they, they fucking are killing it. Literally. But I do love that because, like, even after he started pulling... Like, put on the mask, he started pulling Michael, and then he threw him in the back seat of the car. So, is the mask, like, kind of like, you know, some Herculean thing? Like, you put on the mask, and you suddenly can lift six million pounds? Because Michael Ana, he's not a short guy, nor is he uh, a thin guy. No. So, you know, he's obviously got some heft to him. I mean, he was, you know, you know, just, like, a little out of breath, but big dude. Like, and Sartain is not a big, like, bodybuilder no. guy. 
what I thought was really interesting too is Sartain wasn't as hates him over. Um, he wasn't as graceful with mm-hmm. the mask. Like I, for whatever reason, like I loved that. Like him taking the mask off, he's like it was a struggle, futzing with it, trying to take it off from the front and stuff. Whereas when Michael mm-hmm. messes with the mask, it's just one fluid motion. Yeah. Just whoosh, he understands the mask. He understands how it fits. How it he's it's a part of him. It's kind of like a sword in the stone kind of thing where you know yeah. like Arthur could pull it out, but everyone else struggles with it because mm-hmm. it's not intended for him. Yeah, Sartain's trying to shove his feet into a shoe that's not made for him. Damn, I, I know on the last one we were kind of just joking around. This one we're getting like mm. in depth. Yeah, this is the this is the analytical shit. I love this conversation, too. It's the most yeah. ridiculous thing. Always makes me want to bond me sandwich. But look at the fresh brownie. Made it myself. <laughs> Five-year-old Woody. Where's your goldfish crackers? I just love that explanation of a bond me sandwich. It's not about what's in the sandwich. It's the bread itself is mm-hmm. the bond me. And I love how he says uncontrolled environment. Mm-hmm. Like, all of this is an experiment to him. I just love that. Yeah. He views it all as research. Yeah. And I just... That makes him... That makes him more dangerous than Loomis ever was. Like, Loomis was trying to catch him and kill him. This guy is just trying to catch him and bring back... That's why he calls him, like, an asset. Like, oh, the asset. Just... And he refers to him as property. He's a property Mm -hmm. of the state not to be harmed. And if you get in the way of that... Like, he, he feels like he belongs to him. Mm-hmm. See, this is kind of that fate thing you're talking about. Sartain, I don't really think he would know where Lori is. I mean, he obviously has the file, so he might know where she is, but it's such coincidence. Right. Oh, this shit was so nerve-wracking. Like, mm. he's alive, he has the mask on, oh. and just, ugh. But for whatever reason, he attacks Sartain. Doesn't kill her. Doesn't even touch her. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's something to that. And I know that that's dumb to say, but there's absolutely something to that. I don't know if maybe he kind of like, I mean, obviously this gets into spoilers for the end of the movie, but I don't know if maybe he feels a kinship with her mm-hmm. or like, you know, something like he knows Sartain is a bad guy. Obviously he knows he's not this worthy person, but does he know Allison is like, cause he sees her running and, his instinct isn't to run after her. Right. Or Which saunter slowly I don't, after her. I don't think his thing was ever to really chase people. Like, he always handled his victims one at a time. Mm-hmm. He took his time. He was meticulous with it. He took care of what he needed to take care of. And he never really abandoned his focus on one person to focus on someone else. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That face stomp, though, just God. with zero effort. Oh, just, zero. Zero just effort. Materializes his entire head. Mm. And these poor guys. They really got the brunt of it, but like you said, he's so theatrical with it. Yeah. It's like no one in their right mind who's not like working on a horror film or anything like this would be like, I want to do that. Yeah. I'm going to kill somebody in that fashion. I think it's so fucked up because I saw like they made um, toys of that before the movie came out and I saw that and I was like, that's fucked up. That's not a thing. And then I saw the movie and I was like, holy fucking shit, what? No. 
just love the like minimalistic lighting of the house too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a great job setting up the the scene based lighting, the practical lighting. I don't understand the mannequin room. I will say that. I I mean I guess uh-huh. it's her targets, but like why mannequins? Why yeah. not actual paper targets? Well, here Way more say, cost why effective. Not actual people. There's the hat. Yeah, the fucking hat. So that's the one thing she kept. But like just how so minimalistic with that room. Like there's bars on the windows and all that stuff, but she has a dollhouse and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Like she doesn't have all these things. I love that. And I think that speaks to her And how it's the parenting. Myers house. Yeah. Just oh god. Yeah, it does. I mean that's why and obviously she her daughter was taken away at such a young age, she doesn't Get like that. yeah, you walk into that house as a social worker, and you're like, "The fuck? There's mm. nothing here. These people don't even have a life. Like, what is she doing to her child?" Yeah. And then I assume the bulk of this stuff probably came after her daughter was gone. Like, I think she tried to have a normal life, but she had two failed marriages and yeah. all these other things just happened to her. So she just became a recluse. And that same kind of mirroring shot. Yeah. And then you pointed this out to me after the fact, because I didn't really notice at first, but the wind chimes. Mm -hmm. And then going back and watching it again, Mm -hmm. you really see how much there's an emphasis on those wind chimes. Like everything she does is in service of something. And I think that's just so smart. But this, oh my God. Serious theatrics here. Mm Mm-hmm. takes the time to turn the dude's head into a jack-o'-lantern with the flashlight and then wind chimes. He's here. R.I.P. Ray. Yeah. And that was, that was the thing, like I said, like, Oh, I still, I still felt sad when Ray died. Like I still felt attached to him because he was just that super innocent Mm -hmm. character. And in actuality, he doesn't, do anything he's just there he's sitting there playing with his yo-yo and whatever Mm -hmm. else you know yeah he's involved but he tries not to you know overstep that's always he still has that element of like this is ridiculous yeah like this is so over the top it just speaks to like how he grew up Mm -hmm. i just love how meek karen kind of plays like she knows what's up but she's also prepared for things yeah and it's wearing christmas sweaters in a on halloween right i think that's my favorite touch just like proving how much she fucking hates halloween right like if i saw a person like that you know i'd be like you know fuck you wait till november 1st you hear a garbage person you're a garbage person but like you were saying like she seems so god damn it i did it again sorry um she seems so I don't even know what the word would be. Frail, maybe. Defenseless, almost. Defenseless, yeah. And then she just switches and goes back to what her instincts are later on in the movie. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, she she almost lets her her issues with her mother act as a wall. She tries to have a normal life so much that mm-hmm. her survival instincts are non-existent at that point. 
And then when she finally just lowers those inhibitions, it starts to really bond with her mother oh. in this. Oh, it's so great. Um, those those survival instincts finally come out. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most damage that we've ever truly seen happen to Michael Myers. Like straight up blew yeah. fingers off. Mm-hmm. Like he's gotten shot in this film once already. And then in the last one he was shot six times. But in this one he's lost fingers. Right. Like that's that's almost irreparable damage. Well, it is irreparable damage. I mean, yeah. he didn't like get his fingers chopped off. Those were blown to bits. So unless they kind of Anakin Skywalker him up in the next one, you know, he will be missing fingers. Lori's power bill must be outrageous. Well, she doesn't have them on all the time. Yeah, but there's a lot of electronics going on in this oh, house. Wow. Shit ton. Lots of lights. Lots of surveillance cameras. I think she stores all that footage. Do you think she backs oh, up yeah. to a cloud or do you think she just... She's got hard drives. She's got hard drives? She's got hard drives. Guaranteed. And she probably keeps them for like a year. Then wipes them all. Like she's got a one terabyte hard drive for every yeah. month. And then just keeps the footage and then just wipes it. It does seem to me like Lori would not be the technology type. She's oh, not big on blood. the cloud or anything like no, that. No, no, She's not one of those people. Oh my God. Just like in the shots, just like the dust particles oh, falling yeah. down and everything. It's just so smartly done. Sorry, I know the later end of the movie where I feel like watching it instead of wanting to talk about it because it's so good. <laughs> and I think that to kind of speak to what Lori just said, she's like, you know, I was wrong to raise you the way I did. Nothing can help you. And then Karen's defenselessness is a defense mechanism. Yeah. Like she's playing it off like she's not this person. So people underestimate her. And that obviously plays into the end of the film. But when they underestimate her, they just don't know what she's capable of. And she is fucking capable. Right. And almost more so than Lori. Because yep. Lori kind of, if I can say Lori is more, obviously, with Sarah Connor, where she was thrown into this situation. But then she's trying to raise her child in a situation where they are prepared, where they are 100% that person. Yeah. Not, I became that person. It's, you are that person. Lori still has that trauma about her that yeah. puts up that moment of hesitation that makes her second guess certain things, which those those minute seconds, as we saw with the front door, like it it could have costed her. Oh, absolutely. You know, and um, Karen just doesn't have she doesn't have that that hesitation because it was instinctually built into her as mm-hmm. as she was brought up by Lori. Yeah, I mean, she didn't have those years where life was normal. Right. Her life's never been normal. Right. I do love the closet. I do too. Throwback. Yeah, I was just thinking that as you said that, just so many like minor little callbacks. Yeah, see, like you said, minor. It's mm-hmm. not like The Force Awakens or anything where they're like throwing it in your fucking face. It's just right. these one-off nods, these kind of, you know, like things they're not remaking Halloween in that same way the characters are different the setting it might be the same but what do you really want like what expectation do you have for a sequel to this do you not expect Michael Myers to come after Laurie Strode that's kind of the crux of this franchise so it's interesting to see what they knew to change and how they knew to adapt it and make it fresh enough but also make it 
Halloween still. Yeah, and I, I like what you said about the comparison to Star Wars. Like, Force Awakens, it's it's a reboot, it's a sequel, whatever you want to classify it as. Like, you know, it, it whatever it was, it felt very much like A New Hope, right? Mm-hmm. This is a direct sequel to the original Halloween. It's even got the same exact name of Halloween, but yet it feels different. It yeah. feels like a true sequel. As it should. Honestly, I don't I don't blame Allison for screaming in that oh, graveyard God, no. of mannequins. That's fucking horrifying. It's fucking scary. Like she's reaching her breaking point because she's she's different than her mother in that way because she grew up in the age, you know, the internet and everything like that. So and she knows who her grandma is. She knows who Michael Myers is. She called him the boogeyman and like Michael Myers, like she knows that story because she was raised with that story too. So right. she almost has that predilection to where she she could turn crazy and she's reaching her breaking point with everything and it also goes to um kind of what sartain was saying you know like how they respond to this event right laurie responded by becoming the survivalist character i do think allison's gonna end up be a killer in either the next one or the one after that because i mean they wouldn't have just kind of thrown that line in there as to like how these events change people like you know Michael was a killer. You know, that event kind of changed him in that way. And Allison will be a killer at some point in these films. Guaranteed. You really think so? Absolutely. I will be Mm -hmm. amazed if they don't at least try and go that route. It's interesting. I don't know. There's just so much exposition in the dialogue in this movie. Yeah. Instead of a lot of other movies where, you know, it's just like, oh, we don't know if this will happen, but... It's not slapping you in the face. Sure. Like you really have to read into it at kind of the level that you and I do to see it instead of just, you know, a random moviegoer is not going to think about it. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, whatever, blah, blah. Poor Ray. Oh, my God. That just breaks your fucking heart. And I love the theatrics, too, of he even pointed the mannequin's arm to point at the closet. He's like, yeah. look, we've been through this. I want to put him, not only am I going to put him in the closet, I'm going to put him in the closet with the white door. That's mm-hmm. just the two, not the four. I'm going to put him in the two. It's going to work. It's going to look good. Mm-hmm. Like, I bet you underneath that mask, Michael Myers smiles a lot. <laughs> He's just so proud of his work. Oh, yeah. He has to be. Like, it's it, there's too much thought into it mm-hmm. for that character to not be satisfied with himself yeah exactly and why does that mannequin actually have the shape of a dick that's weird maybe so she can know to shoot it in the dick maybe I remember being on the edge of my seat watching this scene oh and there he is and this room is very reminiscent of the final room in Halloween too it's got the Mm. balcony it's got the closet and Lori's really putting up the good fight Mm -hmm. like she's she's going for it i don't know the more i'm thinking about it oh she's biting the missing face boom i don't know if he's theatrical so much as he just loves halloween i kind of think about it that's a good fucking point because i was just thinking about that like you know he's playing tricks and he's doing this he's not really like you know orchestrating these things in that way but like you know when he put that girl under the sheet when he put himself under the sheet 
when he made a jack-o'-lantern like he's he put a knife in the head like yeah. he's i really like very that. like he turned the dude's yeah. head into a jack-o'-lantern like yeah. he just loves halloween that much like he hid behind a mannequin like he was scary like you know he was he's not you know I know that's the that's what I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna say it's theatrical. I'm gonna say he just fucking loves Halloween, and he's still got that because he's he's been in a mental mental yeah. institution his entire life, so he's still got the brain of a child. He's really underdeveloped, mm-hmm. both socially, intellectually. That's a good fucking point. Yeah, like when he a was lot. a kid, he had his costume on. Obviously, he loved Halloween. But before he killed his sister, he put on his clown mask. Yeah, it wasn't just you know some random thing. He loves Halloween that much. That he makes it into his life. And he does all these things in kind of service of that. Because it really isn't like he hung up um, Dave like that. He hung up Bob like that because, you know, it's almost like a decoration. It's like something scary. Yeah. Fuck. How just a fucking, I don't know. That's a good call, though. I like that a I'm lot. I'm feeling that. That's, I'm that's, gonna, what, that's what we're going to go with from now on. Yeah. He just loves Halloween. Fuck Yeah. I know it's a little thing, but I love the fluorescent tubes underneath the TVs. Oh, yeah. Like it's there's no practical purpose to it. It's purely for the aesthetics of the film, but it's such a good fucking choice. And the rotary phone. Hey, aesthetics. I mean, that matters so much. And of course she's gonna have a landline. I mean, she'll have that. She has cell phones, she has walkie talkies, like she has everything. See, I would think that Lori would be almost exclusively burner phones and nothing mm-hmm. else. Like she does not want to be traceable at all. See, I don't know. I think that's where it comes into a difference between this and H2O. H2O, absolutely burner phones. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. But in this one, she knew where Michael was that whole time. She's not worried about somebody contacting her. I mean, hell, those um, podcasters found her house. So that's I mean, true. She's, she's not, obviously listed. She didn't change her name. She's still Lori Strode. She's not Carrie Tate. She's Lori. So I think it's different in that way, but... I think if Michael were loose like he was during that whole time where, you know, he was in the hospital, they never found his body, so they don't know what happened, she would definitely be fucking like, no. That makes sense. <laughs> I will. And obviously that was kind of before cell phones were really what they are now. I love this lighting in this mm. scene, too, because it's very reminiscent of, like, the Rob Zombie ones. So it's almost like they're even acknowledging those as well. And see, I, I, the lighting wasn't my, obviously my concern with those movies. They right. were beautiful films. Oh, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Rob Zombie's a great filmmaker mm-hmm. in terms of aesthetics, environment, worlds, characters. You know, he's very good at that. But when it comes to the actual mm-hmm. story, that's where he kind of struggles. Yeah, just that. Boom. Oh, just, love oh that. just blew a chunk right out oh, of Oh, she neck. just like, that's her defense mechanism, mm-hmm. like I said. <laughs> Happy Halloween, Happy Michael. Halloween, Shit. Michael. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Cast That's... iron. Oh god. Oof. How fucking heavy those cast iron skillets are. I was gonna say, I don't care who you are. Getting hit with a cast iron skillet is painful. I've got a twelve inch one, and that oh. thing's got to be at least like ten pounds. Just the same kind of like stand up like that, almost like he's like an animatronic skeleton, like mm-hmm. you know, coming up uh-huh. out of a. Exactly. Shit. And then this instance. Like that fight or flight, who am I going to become kind of thing. 
Like, am I going to be a victim or am I going to be a killer? Yeah, because it is a pretty aggressive reaction yeah. for her. And if I do remember Ooh. here, we're about to see her hang on to that knife a little bit too long. She hangs on to that into the the credits. I loved this, though, how she also oh, yeah. has a self-destruct button for her house. Yeah. I was like, it, it was always the plan. And Karen... It's a trap. She escal she escalate she executes it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like this was always the plan to get him into the basement and lock yeah. him in there. And I, I also love that with like the doors, how the doors once she goes into the room and makes sure it's clear, locks it behind her. Yeah. So even if Michael was in there and she didn't see him, Michael's now locked in that room. Yeah. So she can kind of clear all the other rooms, and I guarantee if she hadn't found him, she would have gone back and spot checked the rooms. But. What I do wonder is if they're going to go the route of the later Halloween movies where they show how Michael escapes. Because this one is one of the harder ones to justify. How is he living through this? Hospital, it explodes. There's there's yeah. still exits there. I mean, Loomis got out. I was saying Loomis survived. Yeah, so. this, he's fucking locked in this basement. Like, yeah. the cabin's made out of wood, so it's going to all collapse at some point. But, mm-hmm. like, how the fuck is he getting out? And we see him escape before the whole thing collapses. And even, like... I also love how like the bars and then I just love that. Yeah. how the bars when they come out they're not like wooden spikes that he could easily break through that's fucking metal yeah and even like Michael Myers is a very strong person but is he that strong he's not getting through metal and I love like I said the burning of the Myers house really is kind of like just saying this is not the end but you know like we're burning up the past and I do think Lori will be in a better place in the next one until something happens. Yeah. Because next next one might be burner phones. Might be this. Or she might think, hey, Michael actually is dead. So we won't know until next year. But I can't fucking wait. I think it's it's too long of a gap. But I think they should have been on it more. But I also could see how the studio's like, we really got to see how this one's going to play out. And it's just they didn't have the rights. That's why they were like, you know, we're going to secure the rights for the next two. Okay. And that's why we'll get one in 2020 and then we'll get one in 2021. She's still hanging on to the knife. Yeah, we even get that close up. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. There's something. I don't know what it's going to be. But, oh, there we Halloween. Go. Halloween. This film was dedicated to Mustafa Akkad. Oh, so good. Love it. The OG. So, and I don't know if we'll go all the way into the end credits, but for anyone who's uh, sticking around and watching this at home, go all the way to the end. Because you do hear Michael breathing. So that yeah. confirms Michael Myers is still alive. Because I forget if it was John Carpenter or if it was David Gordon Green. But it was David Gordon was Green. It, so as yeah. long as he's breathing, he's alive. And then, you know, they include him breathing. He's alive. Yeah, that was um, that was what he, when he was interviewed, he said, he's like, you know, when I was a kid, the only real reason I knew that he was still alive after the first one was that we heard that breathing at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's what he chose to incorporate that's as a fan. It was just per- a fucking good perfection. call. Yeah. He's such a talented filmmaker, and I'm glad that they gave the opportunity to people who are passionate about it, but passionate about it in the right way. Because you just can't... I'm sick of them handing over these franchises to people who are not passionate about them. Yep. Like Fetty Alvarez, he was given Evil Dead, and he was passionate as fuck about that movie. So that remake was awesome. 
It took the core concept, didn't have the same characters and anything. It was different, but it was so good. And same with this one, you know, like it took the core concept, took some of the characters, but it was done by someone who was passionate and had a vision for it, not just someone who wanted to make a fucking movie and wanted to just make the next Halloween movie. Right. Yep. I totally agree with you. And I even think if rights were kind of a, weren't an issue so much, we would still be having that problem with the Friday the 13th franchise where we wouldn't have definitely people who are really passionate about it. We'd have these music video directors who have a certain style and flair just getting thrown into it. So like Gil Keenan, he uh, directed the Poltergeist remake and people can shit on that movie all they want to, but I like that movie because it has a vision, takes the core concept, updates it and it's perfect. And I think that's what you need to do when you do something like this is, Exactly what we've been saying. You need to stay true to the original, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta do something different, yeah. which is, I think is where Star Wars struggles so much. Now you can argue that the Last Jedi went in a different direction. Um, I think it went too far in mm-hmm. a different direction. I, agree. I mean, we've we've talked about it more, but it keeps coming up with Rise of Skywalker coming out. Like Ryan Johnson did a fantastic job, and he made a good movie. Mm-hmm. He made a horrible Star Wars movie, absolutely, and. You know, you and I were talking about it, about how we'd like to see uh, mentorship happen more and be more, you know, out there and known in in Hollywood. Because under the right type of mentorship, I think Ryan Johnson would be a incredible filmmaker. Definitely. Um, I think he has an arrogance about him right now that's that's very unwarranted. Yeah, like it's undeserved. He's this. I mean, I think um, Last Jedi was his fourth movie. Yeah, that was. to me is crazy to give the reins of this big of a franchise like Star Wars to a filmmaker who really hasn't made a film like that. Like, I don't even know if you'd count Brick in the same way. Brick was so low budget and then Brothers Bloom and then Jumper. Jump, uh, yeah, Looper. Um, and even Looper was yeah. low budget. Like Looper was a very like non-studio film and same with Brothers Bloom. So it's like <laughs> then to give that fucking guy the keys to the magic kingdom like yeah. that's i i wouldn't have done that yeah. with but, his with his latest movie that he has uh coming out knives um, out knives out yeah right. i think it's, it's something like some fucking i'm actually really name. excited for it i think it looks really good <laughs> but it's the cast yeah that makes it look good. I, I was gonna say it's the cast i have no interest in the story like i don't i didn't get it when i watched the trailer uh, but i do think that star wars has opened ryan johnson up to um growth and I think working with the cast on this new movie that he has, um, we'll see a lot of growth in him. I think we'll see some good stuff coming out from within the next few years. Why does it not look good to you? It looks like Clue, but like better. It doesn't look better to me at all. Really? Yeah, I, I just, know. I don't know. Well, I'll see it and I'll let you know how it is. You'll have to do that because I just have less than no interest of seeing it. I think a lot of it has to do with my my opinions towards Ryan Johnson. That's fair. Um, I think I'll wait for everyone to come out and be like, yes, let's celebrate Ryan Johnson. And then I'll start watching his stuff. Oh, um, I'm just fair. sick of being disappointed by that guy. Sick so, of it. it. What, what makes me the most upset is that I was fucking right. Mm-hmm. As soon as they announced that he was the director, I said, it's going to fucking suck. And I was a hundred percent right. And that just really pissed me off. Ted doesn't I, like being right. I want, <laughs> I something like that. I do not want to be right. I want to be proved wrong, and I was a hundred percent right. He was proven right. So um, how dare he be proven right? I know, I know. But Halloween, back to as you, I always feel like you know you push the the Star Wars button, and Tanner kind of gets a little 
enraged. I do. I do. But Halloween, a franchise we love, and I love this movie. I do. I, do. Too. I think it's the smartest play, back to the roots, but not so deep in the roots that you're making the same film. Nice way to go forward. And I really do think people kind of shit on this movie a little bit too much. I think there were the people who really liked it, like you and I, and then there was people like, obviously, internet trolls and such that just, like, oh, it sucks, it was terrible. It, it really isn't. No. Like, it is a smart film. It's well done. It's well directed. Very realistic script. Beautifully shot. And it's just, there's really, in my opinion, not much to not like about this movie, unless you're just really so anti-sequel, anti-reboot, that you can't kind of see the forest through the trees. Fuel, you know, just you're so focused on the wrong things because this one really is, I think, the most pure follow up to the first film that we've really had. I mean, nothing against Halloween 2, I like the continuation, but I really think that this was the next step in the franchise. I mean, obviously, for some people, it sucks that it was 40 years later, but it works for me. Yeah, it fires on all cylinders, and I love it. I will go as far as to say, is if you don't like this movie, you're wrong. And you just, I hate to say you that. just don't get it, you know. Yeah. Like I love um, opinions, but you are wrong on this one. I will I will say that this movie is definitely more for Halloween fans than it is for general audiences, oh, I yeah, guess. Definitely. So if you're a general audience viewer seeing this movie, then I could see why you don't like it as much. Yeah, you're fucking um, casual. But it's it's definitely something where if you're a true Halloween fan, like if you don't like this movie, you're just flat out wrong. So flat out wrong. But that'll uh, that'll do it for today. Um, Halloween 2018. We love it. Yeah. Hopefully We've... this one was a little bit more educational and uh, thought-provoking than the last one. Yeah. I, I feel it was. But, you know, in our defense, the last one was our first commentary. But this one, I feel, I feel good about. Yeah. I, I, I hope like the audience talked feels a lot good. about this one. Yeah. So Hopefully you, uh, you enjoyed it and you weren't just, you know, thinking that these guys were douches. Yeah. We, but... we had good points. Good <laughs> With... points. With that being said, uh, we are heading into our Halloween week, so we hope that you all have a wonderful Halloween. We will uh, catch you next time. I'm Tanner. I'm Zach. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.